Well, I uh, we we already have our Christmas episode in the bag. Um, yeah, and I won't give it away, I guess, just yet. But I wanted to dress up for Christmas for this episode because See, I don't do this for our actual Christmas episode. So. No, you you were. It was just I do. Oh, I know. I know. Carol. But it's not. Oh, well, you just gave it away. What? You suck. Oh. It was supposed to be a surprise. I mean, you can well, cut this know. out. Is this yeah. really the the such good banter that you're gonna need to leave it in? I mean, uh, maybe it is now. Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue with your hosts, Mike Schramm and Jacob Platty. Self-referential ban- banter. That's, I mean, who's, who's thought of to, that before? I think that, uh, who's thought of that on podcast before? Is basically just us, um, you know, being unprofessional. <laughs> Complaining about each other. Yeah. yeah. To that uh, end. To that end, um, I think you've got some episodes that you need to edit in the hopper. <laughs> yeah, Did you see Mario? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I don't know. Did you send me a text? I haven't seen like, I, the latest text. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just the, it's just the, it'll be this episode, which I, I have to do technically first. And then yeah. the episode. Warriors, Poe, and oh, Telos. It, and Telos. Are, yeah. These are edited. But they're not posted. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's, yeah. So, okay. You had me worried there for a sec. I was like, am I like really far behind on these? No, I'm not so far. Like, they're just, they're just not posted. You just, um, I don't want you to fall into that post Christmas stupor that I know you <laughs> are want to do. And oh, yeah, yeah to leave so. the good, to leave the good people hanging is what uh, I'm concerned with. So yeah. you finally got around to watching Loki season two, Jacob. Is yes. What we're we we basically. Gonna- we, we <laughs> it's funny i re-listened to loki season one episode just to like uh remember what we were talking about for that one that's and good because we're gonna do a recap so yeah yeah well not only do we talk about how we don't wait too long to like post these episodes before posting them which yeah. in loki's case we waited forever <laughs> to actually post that episode after yeah. we recorded it it's not even video it's still uh oh just really like a title card yeah um, and then there was something else too. Basically, we we break everything we say we don't do in that episode by posting it as late as we did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. But hey, I did joke about it being like a two part episode, and now it's basically going to be a two part episode because I was going to say like here we are. Yeah, I was I was thinking in my head. I was thinking like, oh, should we release season two in the same week as like a bonus or something? But that's mm-hmm. uh, cut that out. We're not going to use that. Um, <laughs> so let's. Uh, I mean, now that we've kind of, we've, I've, this is, we've, we've jumped right in. So you, you just listened to Loki season one. Well, Loki season two, uh, Mm a title, a clever title to be named later. And, Mm -hmm. um, cause I don't know if we really have a title for this either, but, uh, Uh, I think it might just be what question. I mean, and, and, you know, it was supposed to be sort of a a wrap up of the character. I think everybody's kind of been been talking about that or have pretty much concluded that you know tom hiddleston's loki is effectively done at least for now like or i should mm-hmm. okay for now like done with no plan in the near future like i know this everybody always talks about or the clickbaity article is always is so and so going to come back you know that's I, you still see those with like robert downey jr it's like no like that it's the story is over let it go yeah and right right that's kind of what we see with with Loki's, uh, or sorry, Tom Hiddleston's Loki, is yep. his his story in a sense both of his strands, right? His first strand where he dies in Avengers: Infinity War, and now this strand are it's all tied up, it's all wrapped up in a bow. So yeah, no, I I I think you're right. I think that this is just fine, right? Like in other words, if they never do another thing with Loki, Tom Hiddleston's Loki ever again, like I will be satisfied. And I love that character. I'm not saying that I, I look forward to him no longer being in projects, but this was a good conclusion for him. It's a fascinating mm-hmm. story they tell. Uh, a surprising story. Um, didn't really see it coming. Like, neither of these two things. Like, when I heard they were making a Loki TV show, 
I did not anticipate the Loki TV show they made. I'll say that yeah. much. It's it's completely out of left field for the character. Um, but it makes for a fun fish out of water type situation. I would say that the Loki TV show is almost definitely my favorite Marvel TV show out of any mm-hmm. of the ones I've watched. I um I at this point the only one I haven't seen is actually Secret Invasion, which I, you, I didn't hear. You watched the Hawkeye about. one and uh Falcon oh, and the Winter Soldier? I did watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I only saw the first like two episodes of Hawkeye. Um okay. and so I That's take a Christmas themed one. You could watch that one in I maybe I should. Maybe I'll check yeah. that one off the the little you know, bucket Christmas list. Marvel bingo card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I might as well, uh, you know, I've gotten this far into the Marvel universe that I might (laughs) as well be a completionist. Um, and that's kind of what's driving me, but the, uh, Loki series is really interesting. It's really interesting. I love the aesthetic of it. I love the questions that it asks. Um, I think season one, had more of an impact because it mm. was new and fresh and um a lot of the novelty of it goes a long way uh and season two has a very different vibe from season was one. season one the first marvel tv show or was it um uh vision and the wandavision one i thought it was wandavision was WandaVision the first one did come out first yeah okay um are we missing one i don't know as like some of those the earlier TV shows is what I mean by that. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe it was just WandaVision. Maybe that was the very first Marvel TV show, unlike Disney Plus, right? And we're not talking yeah. about like the Netflix, you know, they're kind of like ambitious. The, the like sure. Defenders, uh, yeah, the yeah, like Daredevil, um, Jessica Jones, all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I did watch. Um, I watched the f- first or the first two seasons of the Netflix Daredevil mm-hmm. and. Maybe just the first season, I can't remember. But yeah, it's been one of those where it's like pretty much everything after Endgame, I I am much less invested. And so I've, you know, it took me a long time to watch WandaVision. Um, I think it took me a little while to watch Loki as well. It was more like if yeah. somebody that I wanted to talk about it with was like talking about it, then it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll do it for the sake of us having a fun conversation. No, this, this podcast keeps me way more accountable for like keeping up on like current pop yeah. culture like stuff yeah. than I ever See, would be otherwise. And it wasn't even you actually, because I was going to like, usually it'll be like, oh, somebody was talking about it. And this is before, you know, this is like, I don't, it was kind of like before we even started hanging out that much, I think. Because um, WandaVision, that was, you know, that was like right after Endgame or not long. Maybe a year yeah, after Endgame. Yeah, I suppose you're right. That was kind of like the so, introductory thing. Huh? That's a wild but, series. We've never actually had a conversation yeah. about that one, but we should at no, some point. And actually, it'd be a really good one because, you know, they have the whole... And I mean, they're very on the nose about it, but like the Theseus is the ship of Theseus. I mean, mm-hmm. like where it's like you replace all the parts and identity. And it's a... I mean, it, it would be a worthwhile... And it's a perennial philosophical topic. So it's one that we could definitely um, touch on too and, and just kind of refer back to. Uh, I'd, I'd be there for it it's a strange show but uh whatever we'll talk about that in an episode about that <laughs> i suppose yeah, right yeah. Um, so they do have they do have to do quite a bit of um recap just because season two came out what two and a half years after season one or, or so or so um so and it wasn't a that lot of easy to follow one. to begin with you know what i mean yeah uh, both yeah. i think both seasons especially i mean maybe maybe season two even more so um it's way easier to just like follow along with it and be like uh-huh uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh then it is to like sit back and be like wait a second a yeah. plus b equals c minus d like these th- this show is is i feel like is playing kind of fast and loose with like its own internal universe rules and i think it yeah. doesn't care i think that it's well, like we're if we get too bogged down in the the details of this 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 place your- Here's your yeah. like, here's your, um, I don't know if you want to say, uh, referential like title for it. it's, it's like a cross between Groundhog Day and Butterfly Effect, where it's like you've got the Groundhog Day thing of he's like reliving, you know, so much mm. of this timeline over and over again. But it's also Butterfly Effect because he get, he's trying out all these different ways that will like make it quote unquote work, right? If, you, if we yeah. think of, and I know we haven't talked about the kind of big, um, like conflict or the big kind of problem that needs to be solved. But it's so much of our Tom Hiddleston Loki um, having to kind of keep going back and 
either tweaking something or adjusting something or going back, you know, uh, uh, five minutes earlier in each time, like five minutes earlier, five minutes earlier. Season and, two. Yeah. And they, and I mean, they do quite like flat out say, like, what the, he does it like a thousand years or a million years or something like it's, Well, it's just, I mean, there's, there's, there is a, there is a centuries. Yeah. Like title card. It's like centuries yeah. later. Because he's yeah. been trying to fix something for centuries. Um, well, and I think the joke is like, how long would this take? He goes, centuries. And then it cuts to yeah. centuries. Well, yeah, right. like, so, I mean, you know, like a SpongeBob. He needs to, like eventually, in order to figure out, I mean, should we just get into the actual like plot of season two? Um, yeah. Well, actually, but really quick, end of season one, they, um, he and the other Loki uh, variant go back to the beginning of time, which is where they meet the kind of Jonathan Majors uh, Kang. He mm-hmm. who remains, and he comes up later in Ant Man and the Wasp as like, you know, this the big bad guy. He's he was supposed King to be the Conquer big bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we talked about this and, uh, last week's episode, but, the one that we but recorded he's the like one, months ago. Since we are going to talk about fate and free will, which was a big theme in season one, he's kind of the puppet master pulling the strings on mm-hmm. all these different strands of of time and the whole TVA, and so the um, Loki variant, which I don't know. Who what the actress's name is but she kills him and that's like the big like you know that's end of season one and so then going into season two well there were other there's other kings right that's kind of what we're we are we're sort of faced with is it well, causes okay. this big problem with all these ripple effects no, and so we yeah, need to find the... this well okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do a recap <laughs> okay thank you for your you recap, recap Mike all right now I'm gonna do a recap <laughs> all right so um basically in, in season one is all about fate versus free will and loki is introduced to this concept that everything he's done in his entire life has been only allowed and that if he ever tried to do anything that wasn't uh, according to the dictates of this tva agency then mm-hmm. uh he gets that version of reality gets wiped out and only one version of reality the sacred timeline is allowed to exist right Meanwhile, uh, there's another version of him who has escaped from uh, the, um, you know, being purged, being pruned is the language that they use. And Mm -hmm. uh, so she's out trying to stop the TVA and give people free will, because basically the idea is, is that you can't have free will if the choices you make are only allowed um, to correspond with a pre-approved plan, right? Um, these are fascinating philosophical questions for a Christian, and I hope to get into it this episode. Um, but uh, and then by the end of it, they find the main bad guy, this he who who remains, this Kang the Conqueror variants from other movies, uh, who is at the end of time. He's the one deciding what the sacred timeline is. The sacred timeline is meant to serve so that only he is, he's the only variant that comes into existence, and. Uh, but Sylvie had her entire life, the, the Loki variant, the female Loki variant. Her entire mm-hmm. life was like stolen from her, you know, in order to serve the sacred timeline. And she's like upset about it. She was going to be pruned or something, right? That was, she the... was, yeah, she was pruned and then she escaped, you know, as a child, mm-hmm. no less. Um, so her entire life has just been on the run from TVA agents and uh, she wants vengeance and she wants justice. And uh, her definition of justice is free will, you know, like you can't just remove free will from people to serve this sacred timeline. The the hiccup is that um, he who remains is like, if this timeline, if if other timelines are allowed to exist beyond this one, then no timelines, all timelines get wiped out. So his mm-hmm. catch 22 is that like, listen, this is here because it has to be. It's either this or it's nothing. Make your choice, right? Um, yeah. And so she does. Loki's like, hey, wait a second. If he's telling the truth, then we're going to wipe out all of reality if we kill this guy. And she's like, I don't trust him. He's a liar anyway. And frankly, I don't care. And so she kills him. And that's how season one ends. And season two picks up immediate aftermath of that. And the rest of season two is going to be dealing with the fallouts of the sacred timeline fracturing into multiple timelines. And it turns out that he who remains was telling the truth that mm-hmm. if if the sacred timeline is not kept then all the other timelines start to fall apart which 
I'm not going to lie. I don't quite understand this. I don't really understand what's going on. Like in season one, the implications seem to be that what would happen is that all of his other versions, all of his other villainous versions would basically create a war that destroys every reality. Right. And that's what we're trying to stop in season two. It seems to be the case that the seems more act, ad hoc. Whereas, well, the act like the universes seem to be destroying themselves. Like the timeline. Well, see, I'm I got a little confused. Well, I'm not gonna lie. So, I need to okay. like rewatch this now, like once before we. So this you're gonna like you're gonna like my you're gonna like my comparison, yeah. Jacob. It kind of reminds okay. me of you know how oftentimes, and you'll see this used a lot in um like monster movies of some kind, or uh, but it's it's sort of just like how if it's all based off this primary um like origin point so it's kind of like with the 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 white walkers in game of thrones where if you were turned by someone like bigger than you so to speak then if you kill the bigger one then the smaller pieces the dominoes all kind of fall right so then when so when you kill like the general quote-unquote general like white walker then all the ones that that one turned into like the uh, zombie soldiers they all die too at the same time Right so in the same way, if every if every timeline strands off of the sacred one, then if you get rid of the sacred one, then the other ones would wither and die like like branches on a vine. Okay. And so that's okay. sort of the that's I guess, you know, I'm not like I'm not speaking like as if, oh, I was in the writer's room when it happened, but that's sort of the logic that at least makes sense, you know. And and it that does seems, like I that mean seems it, to... it seems to correspond to just how reality in general works, right? I mean, even just using the the um analogy of branches on a vine, well, I mean, that's obviously a very kind of Christocentric and just a very logical kind of way of thinking about it. Well, it's interesting because all right, so they introduced this temporal loom, um, MacGuffin in season Mm -hmm. two and the temporal loom seems to be this fancy sci-fi device that takes all the different timelines because uh you know it's not that there's only one time only one timeline does not mean only one multiversal reality right like only one universe there's still a multiverse Mm -hmm. but any of the multiverse that creates that that don't apply to the sacred timeline that create like basically alternate versions of uh, he who remains, you know, who create villainous kings. Those mm-hmm. timelines, those universes are what get pruned, right? Because like there's different, there's different Lokis. There's all kinds of different Lokis. It, it's and I don't think that this this show says there's not a multiverse. It's just saying that there is a multiverse, but only some timelines are allowed to to exist right well and this um, this kind of gets into the whole and i know we've joked before about how i i always roll my eyes about like multiverse stories because of it's it's because this is what it sort of becomes you know you're kind of saying how it's like well if this one gets destroyed then like they all or if this one doesn't matter then none of them matter and that's sort of the danger of any sort of multiverse whenever you kind of propose that as an idea is especially when you talk about an infinite multiverse which oftentimes people use the word infinite um in a very sloppy way but yeah. when you start talking about i mean for one it, it almost becomes a um a self-contradiction because if it's infinite then it can't be like this like a physical thing like if it is a physical thing then it literally can be limited or counted you know but anyway yeah i know i know like i said we just we use the term infinite in a very sloppy way where we just try to make it mean a lot which is mm-hmm. i guess fine i mean i don't like it but it's fine um <laughs> but it does like it, it basically undercuts reality itself unless you have this, well, now this is the sacred timeline or this is the prime world or the prime universe on which the other ones derive, which mm-hmm. again, we operate whenever we watch a TV show, let's just say like like Loki in this case, we're always under the assumption that like the one we're watching, unless we are told otherwise, is the prime one, right? And so when we say there's all these other Lokis, we always describe them in terms of how they're different from our quote-unquote original Loki. So we'd say like, oh, instead of a human, it's an alligator. Or instead of a you know young debonair British guy like Tom Hiddleston, it's an old guy like, um, I can't remember, but you know yeah, what I'm talking about. classic or, Loki. Or instead of wearing his or, you know um, Asgard uh, costume, he's wearing a suit because he's like a politician, I guess. Or whatever. So it's like, yeah, but yeah. we always describe them as derivative from 
what we considered, at least up until we were told otherwise, our, you know, sacred prime, Loki or our Loki prime. prime. Loki. Yeah. And, but there again, it doesn't, even if, whether we were right or wrong, the whole point is that we always have to start with that because without a prime, quote unquote, prime version or a sacred timeline, that does have to be the one on which all the other strands are, you know, derived. And so, in le- and that's the thing is that the other ones then all become less meaningful compared to the prime one because that's what they're all based off of. And so you can't have this like literally infinite number of multiverses or you can't even have like all of the, uh, all the multiverses be equal in every way because they all have to be, you know, based off of this. Yeah. Like, well, it's interesting, you know, I, and Marvel actually um, has a tongue in cheek nod to this within their like comic universe. And it seems mm-hmm. to be because it's referenced, they, they do an Easter egg reference to it in um, season two of Loki, where uh-huh. uh, their their primary universe is Earth 616. So yeah. it's not the first one. It's not the two millionth one. It's the 616th variance universe right mm-hmm. and that's the that's the one that all the stories take place in and things like that right unless otherwise noted um and at the end uh, the final episode of season two um because the basic premise of how season two starts is that well we've killed he who remains there will be a quote-unquote infinite multiversal opportunity free will will not be circumspect and um or circumscribed or whatever word i want to use there and um what we have to do is make sure that the multiversal war doesn't come about so we have to keep an eye on all these different versions of king the conqueror he who remains and make sure they don't get too big for their britches and Mm -hmm. there's a um and so that's the underlying premise of where the tva wants to go right like what happens to the tva now well we become a police force not for the sake of timeline we become a police force for all timelines, and our primary objective oh, is do not. Yeah, right. Oh, I was okay. going to say, where's what's um, the political metaphor uh, going here? What's the you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, and uh, our primary underlying objective will be to ensure this multiversal board like does not happen the way that uh, he who remains prophesied it would happen. Right. Mm, uh, so yep. that's where they're gonna. That's what TVA wants to do now. Um, and at the end of it, after the primary problem has been resolved in season two, there's this offhand reference by Mobius, um, played by Owen Wilson. He's saying, you know, B15 is like any word on any of the Kang variants. And he's like, ah, there was a little tiff in on 616, but they took Mm. care of it. That's a reference to quantum mania. That's what he's referencing there. Um, in other words, one of these Kangs was trying to get too big for his britches, but they took care of it. And mm-hmm. so now the TVA is always going to be there to make sure that Kang doesn't get too big for his britches. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's how that. Maybe that's how uh, a lot of the threads that uh, they planned on having Kang the Conqueror be like the big Thanos level bad. Yeah. For uh, the multiversal saga, whatever they're calling it. Maybe that's how they the TVA just becomes this Deus Ex Machina, and he becomes like a non-threat or something like that. Maybe that's how they're going to write his story out. Yeah, because that's um, one of the other things that I know everybody's been talking about too is that they have to find a way to write Jonathan Majors out of the story, basically, because of the legal issues and stuff that he's been um, yeah, yeah um, causing, we'll say. Not just experiencing, but causing. So, well, alright, so I want to jump back to briefly trying to recap Season 2 because we, we got yeah. to Temporal Loom and then you did a good, you gave me a good kind of metaphor for it how if the mm. sacred timeline dies then all the other ones die and so it's like okay, i mean how it I sort can... of works like this is where like yeah like logically this is why you need to have it in the story or whatever it's mm-hmm. kind of the driving and force the temporal loom the temporal loom is designed to um all right so initially it's created by he who remains in order to um create this problem if he gets killed basically this is like kind of the mm-hmm. revelation at the end of the season two where um all right so in season two all the timelines are dying the temporal loom is overloading and it's going to blow up the tva and if the tva gets blown up then there's going to be no one there to take care of the timelines and things like that and so mm-hmm. they're trying to fix the temporal loom the entire series that's the, the main gist and they uh 
they have to go get a variant version of Kang to help them, um, you know, recreate it. There's a new character, Ouroboros, OB, um, the, the snake who eats his tail, Ouroboros, yep. right, for anyone who doesn't get that reference. Um, it, he's a technician that's tech savvy, and he, he offers them all the explanations. And uh, ultimately, they end back up at He Who Remains Chamber, though, from the end of season one, because Loki can't figure out a way to keep the temporal loom from blowing up and it basically comes down to either he stops sylvie from killing he who remains or the temporal loom blows up and every everything goes away presumably right um and that's when he who remains um kind of pauses time and then loki he can pause time now too uh and he's like yeah i knew this was going to happen um, the temporal loom is there because you need me without me, the temporal loom blows up. And, um, so I wasn't just going to like, let you guys kill me. Like I pretended I was going to do at the end of season one. I'm, mm. uh, I always knew that you would have to come back and save her, save, it's, save me. It's the classic bad her. guy. You'll be back. I knew. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I always knew this yeah. day would come. Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, so you know, and, and okay, uh, what Loki <clears throat> does is instead of, because Sylvie, she won't stop, right? You have to kill mm-hmm. me. Uh, I'll never stop. You have to kill me kind of thing. And Loki, instead of um, killing Sylvie, he takes a, uh, you know, outside the box thinking approach. And he says, I will replace the temporal loom with myself and I hmm. will become the new temporal loom. Um, and God himself will provide the, the, the sacrifice. God, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, from a Christian it's, perspective, this goes a very interesting place. I yeah. don't understand. I mean, I think the answer is magic. So basically, I mean, just like to play this out, uh, he goes like, Normally, you couldn't use magic in the TVA, but they turn off like the dampeners, quote unquote, that prevent magic from happening in the TVA. And mm. again, the TVA is this like eternal place, this this place outside of time. Um, it's not really explained what the logic is there, but you know, rules don't apply and magic. It turns out that magic does work in the TVA. It's just that they have technology that prevents magic from happening, I guess. And so, uh, at some point, they had to turn those dampeners off for other reasons. But now the Lokis can use magic. And so he's like, I'm just going to like go out to the temporal loom and I'll blow it up with magic. And then I will grab all the different timelines because they're tendrils, they're strands, they're strings. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to grab these infinite strands. Like he uh, becomes the loom much sort of or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But like he, he takes all of reality. Uh, onto himself and ascends to a throne and becomes the uh, the omniscient character who keeps the temporal loom, like keeps the timelines alive via his own person. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even trying to sound like a Christian. Like, I, like yeah, I'm not no, even I mean, trying to make this sound theological. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. No, that's in this TV and I show. Think, and and he takes like the title, isn't there? Like the title, like God, and he doesn't be a magic, right? Like that's how he's capable of doing. I this, mean, that's like, yeah, like that's magic. the only language like, that just, is made possible in this sort of world. Is you just say magic, sort of. So like. In a, in a sense, okay. and I know we kind of had this conversation where it's I'm like... I'm just making sure I understood it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, well, it kind of reminds me of the our old conversation that we've had, I guess, over uh, several months ago now, where it's like, if you scratch science hard enough, you get to magic. And if you scratch magic hard enough, you get to science or whatever. But it's sort of like they oh, all yeah, have sure, this right. underlying foundation of, you know, again, to use explicitly Christian language. I mean, it is sort of just supposed to be a grace thing. Like that would be the language that a Christian would use when you say, how do all of these events work together for a greater purpose, right? Or you could even call it a glorious purpose to use the title of the last episode mm-hmm. and the catchphrase mm-hmm. of Loki. Going, yeah, sure. To His use the catchphrase. Purpose. I mean, yeah. You know. 
it's like you're you're like you said it's theological language and so why not just lean into it and say like this is what a christian would call grace when they say that all things are working out according to for the good according to those who are for those who love god it's like this is romans 8:28 but dramatized in a sense colorized well, dramatized and i will point it out i will point it out so he 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 ascends the throne right Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's just the throne that he remains had at the end of time, you know, alpha and omega stuff here, but, yeah. um, and he, he walks up and he has the strands in his hands. And when he sits, he sits with his hands outstretched and oh, yeah, like there's cruciform. obviously some, like cruciform, there's some cruciform sim- symbolism going on there. And then he pulls his arms together and mm-hmm. all the strands come, become like, you know, I guess one with him or however you want to phrase that. But, uh, I mean, it's shockingly Christ-like, um, you know, imagery where, yeah. and, and, you know, everything that the new Testament talks about Christ being all and in all and all things are for him and by him. And, you know, everything, you know, all that language, right? Like, uh, that Loki becomes that. Um, and he does it by sacrifice, by self-sacrifice. You know, he's not dead, but then again, neither yeah. is Christ, right? Like, um, and if you if you just trans if if time itself, these timelines are basically reality, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, that's that's what they've been. I mean, that's what we're supposed to consider it the entire time. Like, in a sense, Earth six one six is one of those little strands that he pulled in and tied together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes like TVA it's, it's funny because like the TVA is reality too, but it's outside of reality. Right. And so again, it really is this like eternity, this place of eternity. The TV mm-hmm. show does nothing to explain this or differentiate it. it. It makes like passing references to time, not working the same way and things like that. But it basically just like winks away any type of like deeper philosophical question as to like exactly what, where, how the TVA is. And that's honestly, from a Christian perspective, yeah, that's how. So do we. You know what I mean? Like well, because, like, the nature of eternity, we just unless you we just want admit you can't the whole season to be one long conversation, like one long mm-hmm. philosophical conversation. Which, I mean, some of us might want, but some of us, you know, I might even get a little bored with that. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's yeah. almost like if people want to have a hour long conversation on eternity, they'll listen to some podcast about it. But it literally is, and I'm using the word literally on purpose, the, like the 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 tying together of all of reality all of you know it's it's the lord of history which there's actually a um there's a book called the lord of history by a uh he was a, a cardinal um Jean Danelou who was mm-hmm. a um expert theologian on the church fathers and and uh church historian and things like that and um he obviously doesn't just mean hey this is like a church history textbook he's saying like this is what it means to to be able to incorporate all aspects, all cultures, all time into this one big, you could call it prime narrative or sacred timeline. I mean, obviously, John Danilu doesn't use sacred timeline, but that's essentially what we're seeing played out. Is I mean, it's it's absolutely Can I ask you, yeah, Christocentric. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Here's your here's your token encapsulation of uh, you know. Uh, Christ Savior complex stuff for this year, kids. Like, mm. watch Loki season two. Um, but uh, do you think? I think that the TV show fudges on this. Of course, I haven't like really. I gotta rewatch it, and you know, we'll see what I think. But like, it seems like the only difference between He Who Remains and Loki at the end, uh, He Who Remains at the end of season one and Loki at the end of season two, is that. Um, he who remains is like a bad guy and Loki is a good guy. Right. Well, are they not? You get, are they? Well, I guess one has allows for more. One allows for infinite timelines and then one. Uh, and like you, you at least get the sense whether this is entirely fair or not, but like one is doing it as sort of like an um, exertion oh, of his power. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Loki is doing it as a, sacrifice right i mean we get the very real sense that he's making a sacrifice by doing this right he's not going to live life like he had been living anymore he doesn't get to experience you know what what he was calling his life in the way that he was you know prior to this Mm -hmm. right 
And, yeah. and um, you get that sense that this is going to be a sort of death for Loki, even if you just want to call it a death of the ego. But the fact that he kind of goes back to, you go back to like the first room, like all the way back in episode one, when he sees kind of his quote unquote life flash before his eyes and that he kind of experiences that again. But now after all the change that has taken place from the beginning of season one to the end of season two. So it's mm. like he's seen, he's seen that same life flash before, but now he's, you know, become so much wiser and so much better. And so well, it's, not a, it's not a purifying thing. Now it's almost like a, a almost like a beatitude. It, it is supposed to be oh, a it's, sort it's of beatific yeah, vision. It, it is. It's, it's all right. So like, all right, that reminds me of two things. The first thing I'll talk about is one of my favorite moments comes from the middle of season two where, uh, Loki and Sylvie are having a conversation in the pie room. There's a room where everyone goes to eat pie. <laughs> okay. Watch yeah, the TV show. Um, but um, in it, uh, Loki is is having the same conversation with Sylvie that they had at the end of season one, where it's like, you know, she's like, the TVA does nothing but good. You need to just uh, let people have free will and walk away. And Loki's like, you know, if you give people free will you need to be able to help them use it well you need to be able to help them do it well kind of thing mm. um and she's like it sounds like you're just trying to play god and then he's his final line is we are gods is <laughs> what he mm. what he says you know um and he's making a reference to their like nordic pantheon heritage right um but uh from my perspective I think that is a good jumping off point for the biggest question of this TV series, I think, is the fate versus free will question. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Sylvie defines free will as uncompromised, unencumbered ability to will what you want. As right. license, basically, yeah, yeah, as like license to do what you want, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a very modern interpretation of free will. Whereas I think a classical yeah. interpretation of free will never ever precluded the obvious limitations on free will as such, as in you're not free to go fly out the window because you're not a bird; you are a human, right? Well, you're not, and not free. Even just... yeah. Go, go ahead. So oh, it would it would go back to this idea of, and actually it goes back to our idea of Telos, which I know this the episode on Telos hasn't aired yet, but the whole idea is that even something as abstract as freedom is ordered towards a final cause or towards an end. And it's not just about the physical limitations like I um, am not free to fly because I don't have wings or I don't have, you know, the energy from the yellow sun that allows me to. Mm -hmm. It's it also restricts, so to speak. And again, restrict is not the best word for it because in a sense, if freedom itself is ordered towards the good, like goodness itself exists and freedom is an abstract idea or concept that we get to kind of play out through our actions. But if it is ordered towards the good, then if my choice isn't ordered towards the good, I'm actually less free. It's not even so much that the that goodness is restricting my freedom. It's that when I don't act towards the good, I have restricted yeah. my like I'm less free. It's it, right? yeah. It's a it's a definition for freedom that is not license. It's a definition for mm -hmm. freedom which is like the ability to act, right? Like and and primarily the act the ability to act how you're supposed to. You know, this is actually yeah. um, we'll tie this into the American Revolution episode a little bit. One of the all biggest right. things that um, the American founding fathers were all about when they talked about liberty and they talked about freedom, if you go into the essays and the documents and the Enlightenment thinkers that they were reading and that informed those um, justifications and opinions that they used um, when deciding to begin the American Revolution, things like that, the reason why they were so antithetical to tyranny as such is that tyranny removes your ability to be virtuous. Yeah. In other words, if I am forced to do the right thing, then it's not me doing it. It's me being um, compelled to do it. I can't be good 
unless I am free to be good. And if it's a tyrant like, is going to make me do it, then he's he's removing my ability to actually grow in virtue. Yeah. The the evil of coercion is worse than the evil of you not doing the good thing that you should be doing. So mm-hmm. like even if a good thing happens because I forced you to do it, a greater evil occurred because I forced you. And so mm-hmm. that's where, and again, not that we're trying to become utilitarians where we're like quantifying good versus bad. It's more, it kind of goes back to the sacred timeline thing where it's like as good as one of these branches is, it can't be metaphysically better than the the original one because the original one is the cause for the branch in the same way that if there's a deeper good that in you know freedom itself being ordered towards the good is deeper than you doing some good thing, some derivative good thing, then it can't be greater than the source, right? Or the cause can't be greater than, or sorry, the effect can't be greater than the cause. Mm, um, sure. And so, and so that, you know, like I said, that's a, that's a metaphysical reality that applies not just to, you know, when we're talking chemistry, um, it, it applies to even human actions in this case. Well, and so uh, to bring it back, so Sylvie, she seems to want uh, a kind of freedom that that implies the ability to act as i see fit regardless of consequence right um Mm. and loki seems to come around by the end of season one um and then the tva as such seems to exist in order to continue to facilitate freedom circumscribed by you know greater purpose right like um existence in this case (laughs) the ability for for life to exist as such seems Mm. to be the the foundational role for the tva to play even if that was originally created by a kind of megalomaniac person who was using it to serve his own existence right um Mm. the fundamental premise of it being there to preserve existence as such still seems to be a role for the TVA to play. Um, I still feel a little wishy-washy as to how I exactly understand, like how the show justifies this. You gave me mm-hmm. a lot with the whole, like the, the sacred timeline needs to stay alive. So the branches live off it and things like that. But um, I guess that implies that once the sacred timeline has been established by the temporal loom, you can't undo it because in theory, all these, uh, in theory, all these multiverses existed before he who remains created the temporal loom, or maybe it's a paradox. Maybe it's just like a weird timey wimey thing, you know? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't. I choose to not even that... like think too much about it. But, but anyway, I, I like yeah. your analogy. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna stick to it like glue. The idea that the secret right. timeline has to exist, and that's why everything else will fall apart without it. Um, but, uh, but lost my train of thought i don't know where i was going or he well the tva is preserving the sacred timeline oh because the tva serves a circumscribed sense of freedom well it's not they're against free will but they're against but they understand that free will serve like it's freedom to serve what's good it's and and good in this case happens to be and no like you're saying if if they are if nothing else they're protecting the sacred timeline because that's what allows for everything else to exist then that we're actually kind of getting into metaphysical goods again because then you're talking about being itself and how existence in and of itself is better than non-existence. And so if the whole point of the TVA is to preserve the sacred timeline, then they are uphold, they're trying to uphold existence, right? So they kind of have like this, I guess if it, I mean, if they never use the TVA again in any other Marvel thing, then it probably would be fine anyway. But if their whole thing, their whole purpose is to uphold along with, you know, if Loki's the one that kind of holding it together, so to speak, but they're upholding it, however you want to, you know, define that or make it work is fine. But then, like you said, they're outside of time. They're outside of, like, they're in eternity. That's what they're, they're, they're preserving, you know, the existence of all the other things. And so mm-hmm. that would be good, so to speak, right? And like I said, metaphysically good, which is where moral goodness comes from. But uh, the other thing too that, you know, and I don't know how much this adds to the sort of like wrapping of the bow or the of the Loki thing, but if he was like replacing the um the loom, the temporal loom with himself, like he becomes the temporal loom, so to speak, right? Because he's the one keeping yeah. it all together. And what do yeah. we see happens after he does that? 
is that the the all the timelines become this tree, right? They become this new tree mm-hmm. of life. So again, yeah, very Christocentric, that? very yeah, mm-hmm. theological language. Obviously, yeah. it has to play with it plays with the whole Yggdrasil, um, you know, yeah, Norse for mythology sure. tree. Definitely thing. a play on the Norse mythology, but the Norse mythology was always obviously um yeah, easily easily implicative. And and to the degree that it reflects life, reality, it's Christian anyway. And and you and I yeah. are shy about saying that, so we're we're fine with that too. Yeah, uh, right. So what, even if it's on accident, we're going to say it reflects Christianity. But uh, but anyway, the other thing that I think is worth noting about that is we use language of manufacturing of artifice, like a loom, right? That was a piece of technology that we created. Mm-hmm. But we go from a loom to a tree, so we go from the manufactured to the organic, and you know, what does that, what are the implications of that? I think it's just, if nothing else, it's a, it's a powerful kind of like symbolic change that the TVA was quote unquote created by he who remains. And now that that has been, you know, and the loom in a sense was created either by the TVA or indirectly by he who remains. And so you have this very kind of manufactured upholding of existence and that's mm-hmm. where you kind of get into the whole restricting of freedom, fate sort of thing. Because then, well, and I, and I think I even referred to him as the puppet master, like the guy pulling the strings. Right? And it's I not think a coincidence. The, beginning. the TVA is intentionally bureaucratic. It basically yeah. looks like it's, it's basically yeah. a DMV in the sky, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that is, that is how it's depicted, um, which is implicitly critical of the organization. But at the same time, um, the organization seems to have uh, found a virtuous purpose, I guess. So you're going to love the, you're going to love the comparison that I make in just a second. But, um, but the fact that, like I said, if we're going from something artificial to something organic, that also kind of gives you a, a better understanding of the, the freedom that's being upheld here. Because now if it's a more organic sense of like, it's not me, you know, even when it's like, I'm forcing you to be free while I'm still forcing you. Right. And mm. so when you have this sort of like manufactured kind of step in the way that was put together by he who remains, it still sort of restricts or hinders the freedom. And I don't just mean hinders it in the sense of like, it's not going towards the good because that again, if I choose something, if I make an action that's not ordered towards the good, you didn't mm-hmm. restrict my freedom. My action by its nature was not free, right? Or less free. Well, right? I think this is... Oh, but so I didn't we, mean to finish, yeah. If we, but if we go with the tree thing, if it turns into a tree, which again, Loki by replacing the loom with himself, come in that sort of Christocentric like sacrifice, and it becomes this tree. Now every action that all those you know strands are tied together, it becomes organic. And so, again, the the free act by its nature, right? Think organic language is ordered towards the good, and so that's what allows for it here. So here's my big uh, metaphor that I was thinking of. Okay. You called it like a, a, the DMV in the sky, right? And mm-hmm. you referred to it as very bureaucratic and very like, you know, a bunch of pencil pushers and all that stuff. And I was like, what if in this analogy, oh, Loki boy. is like the Christ figure okay. and the TVA would be the church because the church uh... is the one cooperating with cooperating <laughs> with Christ and it's the one where you see you know like that's what you identify with the kind of the the you know, you honestly, know I guess more bureaucratic like but it's also fit, working it? with Loki to uphold the sacred timeline any sense right? of hierarchy especially like Protestants you know especially the traditions I came out of yeah anything that anything that looks hierarchical looks like a DMV right everything it's all yep. bureaucracy and just standing between you and God and you red know, tape and all that nonsense. people complained so much about Loki yeah. being like you know anti-Christian or and it's like Loki might be the most Christian TV show that's come on <laughs> the last five extreme, years <laughs> this is this is actually extremely yes this Christian was not friendly this TV is not show. this was not in the outline not in the script but this is kind of unreal that what like you know, it's, we're sort it's of like just, processing yeah. this as it happens. I so, do think that, like, so in season one, there's like, you know, don't you remember when end. Loki calls TVA the his bride? Don't you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. TVA, um, the body of Loki. Is that? I think yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, like there is, there's especially season one. You you get criticism of dogma. You get criticism of, um the idea of like your freedom being prescribed, you know, by some agency outside of you. 
um you know both in both uses of the word um that are keep you from being able to like do whatever you want kind of stuff there is a lot of like um kind of like implicit criticism of like religion as such in season one i think that you could argue that but i also Mm -hmm. i don't think it's it's technically not criticism as it is just like an open question in Mm. in season one and continues to be well i mean frankly it more or less gets resolved in favor of the tva by season two it's like we really do need um an organization that kind of makes everything work and there really is a limit to freedom and you really do need some godlike figure in the sky to hold it all together and it's like okay well golf clap writers and the fact that they make him sacrificial that they make him yeah it's like well because if he's not then it does feel bad you know like yeah the, this it is like christianity gross, which is this the, is this is what differentiates yeah. christianity from all the other religions is that our god suffers our god um is self-sacrificial our god is community i mean the one thing that uh loki doesn't have a good image of is the fact that uh loki is singular so you know what's kind of sacrificial in loki's case is that he has to leave all his friends behind you know, the idea mm. is that, like, the only thing he cares about anymore is his friends, and he's going to give them up and be alone forever, I guess. It's really pretty, like, sad and weird at the yeah. end. Um, but, like, uh, but he's going to sacrifice being with the people he loves in order for them to live happily, right? Or live to live To life, live it up, yeah. to exist at all, to live happily, yeah. and to live freely, right? Because that's the big, that's the overarching theme of that's seasons his, one and two. That is what, that's the sacrifice. I would say within a, um, a Christian theological framework, the fact that we have a trinity, that our God is trinity in nature, um, looks differently than what it looks like mm-hmm. with just like Loki on his throne by himself forever yeah. kind of thing. And I also, I think that uh, one of the differences is that in Christianity, um everyone comes into eternity with god right like so there's 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 this kind of division between just like the ontological nature of loki's reality by the end of season two and Mm. and the reality that everyone else has to live like lives in right like there's this division between those two things they're not the same thing and and they're they're forever they'll be apart kind of stuff um i don't think that's what christianity teaches but um that doesn't take away all the other symbolism that you see in this TV mm-hmm. show, you know? Um, well, nobody's perfect. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I, though, uh, the thing is, is that if the whole idea is just trying to get an awareness of, cause as we've mentioned, like it's, it's obviously trying to kind of touch upon more the, the Christocentric aspect. And so it's going to focus on the one example, like Loki being more of a Christ figure. We don't really see Loki being a Holy spirit figure or a father, you know, God, the father figure. And so that's where, like you said, it's it sort of, it's not obviously a denial of the Trinity. It's more like a, well, this is just the aspect we're trying to emphasize, right? Yeah. And, or, or I won't even say they were trying to emphasize it. It's the aspect that is the most obvious or most easily recognizable, um, you know, to. Isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of funny. The only time, the only symbolism for a Trinitarian type of reality in this show are either the three time lords, <laughs> which turned out to be fake, or mm. the big mural of uh, Kang that's like hidden behind the wall kind of thing that gets revealed. And yeah. he's like a three headed, he's a three headed person, you know? Well, or at least that maybe there's is... more, but there's three primary heads kind of front and center. Yeah. Um, it, and you see that that's like a pagan thing. Like you'll, they're like the yeah. three headed god is, is throughout cultures throughout the world kind of thing. Mm. Um, We'll have to talk about that sometime, but uh, it's it's very. We should just do a number three episode. Honestly, I think that would be yeah. kind of interesting. Like, because you know how like Probably they should. always do the movie trilogies and just yeah, the sim- symbolism mm-hmm. obviously behind it and stuff. That would eh, we'll we'll add it to the list. We'll add it to the list. <laughs> so, well, what do you think of it? I mean, I mean, wrapping it up, I guess you know what what's uh, yeah. Um, so I did have some. I I think it is funny how, and maybe this is like a millennial thing, because you know now all the writers of TV shows are like very self referential, right? And mm-hmm. so you get in a lot of endings where people, it's almost like writers patting themselves on the back when they talk about the importance of stories or the um just impact of stories or and and Loki, you know, taking the title God of Stories, and uh-huh. um and it did remind me of again 
I already mentioned Game of Thrones once, but I'm going to do it again. Do you remember at the end of the where they where they do? It's like it's like they're patting themselves on the back. Like the writers of the show were talking about how important stories are, and it's like you guys, you know, know how you sound, right? And it's the same. And so I think it's just one of those where it's like we can't escape as you know postmodern millennials the like the self referential kind of aspect of our artwork. Whether it's, a, the, whether it's like meme culture or whether it's, you know, I don't know. So that was something that I, I thought was funny and I noticed um, mm-hmm. that it happened in this show too. Because they, I mean, they do lean right I'm into I'm a little it. less cynical on that than you, I think. Because oh, I, I think it's funny. I don't hate it. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I just, I'm not even sure I think of it as a kind of like self-indulgent thing. I, okay. suppose, I mean, it, it technically is, right? Because you can't write a story about the importance of stories without there being kind of like a meta- yeah. elements going on there kind of thing uh-huh. um but you know that's stories are important i'm a big believer in stories i a significant yeah. amount of my life is is uh about the ingestion and, and thinking of stories and things like that and so it's like i guess maybe i'll just say i'll give it to him it's like you know yeah. th- this I mean, really yeah, is it's... this really is a Look. big deal I love Joseph um, Campbell too. So whenever Rick and Morty includes like Joseph, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you've seen, I don't think you've seen this yet, but there is a really funny um, Rick and Morty episode where they actually bring Joseph Campbell as a character in because oh, Dan Harmon, the creator, uh-huh. it's yeah, I yeah, you got to watch it. It's good, um, but because Dan Harmon, who has spoken that he's very been very influenced by Joseph Campbell, similar to George Lucas, we've talked about in the past and Hero's Journey and all that stuff. Um, one of his characters is called the Story Lord. Okay, now he's a villain, yeah. but it's uh, like I said, I like how all these characters just have the same name, like the, yeah, the well, god like, of god of stories, the Story Lord, that's the Lord the, of that's History. The other ironic thing these, is that these are, these are all... professional writers who it's like, and yeah, what <laughs> it has to be. So that was that was the other thing that no, I I honestly, I mean, I might roll my eyes about it, but I do I do kind of like it too. Like I think it's kind of mm-hmm. funny, and and like you said, I of course I recognize the importance of of stories and the impact and all that stuff. It's just funny when you see it kind of reflected back to you so obviously or so clearly. Um, the other uh, thing I had to mention. Oh, go ahead. No, I'll just briefly say this. I happened to watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special last night. Have you seen that? Oh, okay, I have. Yeah. Um, uh, they it is it's cute um they have a ton of like jokes about how crappy actors are how like actors yeah. are terrible people so it's yeah. like basically the inverse of what you're talking about right here uh, mm. it's just this conversation makes me think of that it's a pretty yeah, cute, no, funny show one of my favorite um so eugene cordero is the guy who plays casey or k5e and yeah. um so he's so he's one of, I mean, he's just so funny and he steals a lot of scenes. Like, I don't know if he was meant to be as big of a character, but he, he's a really funny character in Loki, but he's in, um, he plays really small roles in a bunch of other shows. So like, uh, have you ever seen the good place? He's Jason's friend pill boy. Only seen a few episodes of it. Yeah. Then you may not have, have, have come across him cause he played a small role in that one. But um, that's a Michael Schur comedy, and Michael Schur has used the guy behind The Office, behind Parks and Rec, behind The Good Place, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh wow! And Eugene Cordero is the only actor who's appeared in all of those TV shows. And so, like in the Michael Schur verse, he's like somebody <laughs> who keeps popping up. But uh, and uh, and yeah, like I said, just... all those shows are in the Loki in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, see, I don't <laughs> know if Michael implies? Sure did Loki though, so that's the thing is there. Oh. It has it's just one of the strands where yeah, um, mm-hmm. where all these you know because he he's like a, a drug dealer in the Good Place, but then he's like a um, warehouse worker in the Office, I think, and he's a uh, sure. I, I can't. I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose that yeah. they're all variants of K five E. Um, yeah. Now that I know it, I can't unthink it. So, <laughs> yep, can't unsee that. Yeah, so, perfect. anyway, I just I wanted to include that's another kind of favorite, like I just a uh, top moment of mine from from season two because anything he's uh-huh. in, I, I'll give it a chance because he's pretty funny. So, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, the, anything the else things to, that I'll say, yeah, the the one of the things I like most about this show is this conversation about free will versus fate and mm-hmm. getting into the logic of free will, and I think it's an important. I don't think the show does a good job really like wrapping it up in a bow actually doesn't delineate it well enough as what I would like for it to say, which is to say that free will doesn't mean absolute freedom and no Mm. one ever thought it did. 
no no thinking person ever thought it mm. did because we have all kinds of limitations on our freedom. And within yeah. Christianity, there's only one truly free being, and that's God. Mm. God alone has absolute freedom in the same way that God alone has absolute goodness and absolute all the other attributes of God, mm. things like that. We participate. Um, We're participants yeah, in God's we can freedom, participate God's goodness. In yeah. his freedom, right? But that is not license, and it's not, um, and it's not uh, the ability. That's just not what freedom means. And if we can have more conversations about freedom not being, I'm free to be whatever I want. I'm free to be whoever I want. I'm free to pursue whatever I want. Then I approve that message. <laughs> so I was going to say, because obviously it's way too late to start getting into the whole existentialist movement and self-actualization and John Paul Sartre. But that's sort of what you're like, the, you know, that's a relatively recent phenomenon of this self-actualization, which, mm -hmm. as you've mentioned, is very problematic to just the way that we think and the way that we act. And so, you know, I, like like all things, it'll eventually circle back around to Aristotle and then to Aquinas and the whole world will be okay again. That's, <laughs> that's it's a canon event that we come back yeah. to Aristotle. Yes, it's a canon so, event, yeah. So it's a canon conversation. It's, it's See, Aristotle is on the sacred timeline, so everything is going <laughs> to, it's going to have to, and then when Loki tied them all together, it was, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it'll all come back. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> All right, but anyway, man. with that, thank you guys for for coming to listen to this. Honestly, it was a fun conversation. Not what I expected when we first started kind of planning this and putting this together. Um, hopefully, it ties in with our season one conversation that was so long ago. But uh, uh, just kind of just last enjoyed. week, Mike. Just last yeah, week. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That, because exactly. time is weird like that. You know, that, feels yep, like that's another feels like a thousand years ago to us. But it was it's, really it was, just a couple that was days just another ago. strand that Loki tied together. So yeah, mm -hmm. we thank you guys for for joining us. Thank you, Jacob. Um, and yeah, look forward to who knows when we'll get to talk again. Right? It could be could be ages. So. Never know, man. See you next year. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Voyage Podcast. The Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics and Publishing which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life. Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 